All right. Well, again, so glad you guys have joined us tonight. Uh, I want to kind of get us thinking and just uh, a little bit more about hope tonight. It's called, uh, it entitled this, When Hope Was Born. And uh, when I was thinking about hope this week, I was thinking about a story uh, I heard one time, true story about a, um, a retired school teacher that uh, went out and, and decided she was going to volunteer at a local hospital, um, helping to tutor in school uh, and you know, help with uh, kids that are in the hospital for long periods of time, helping just to tutor and teach them, uh, all that kind of stuff. And uh, she recalls this time, the, the very first call that she ever got along these lines. And uh, the phone rang, uh, she received her first assignment as a new volunteer, she was so excited. And on the other end of the phone was, was this kid's classroom teacher, the, the teacher of a young boy who had been hospitalized and needed uh, tutoring during his long stay in the hospital. The volunteer teacher wrote down the name of the boy, the hospital room, which hospital he was at, and that kind of stuff, and figured that's really all I need to know. And, and the, the, the school teacher said, oh, by the way, we've been working on um, nouns and adverbs. And so if you could work with those things uh, with him, that would be fantastic. It wasn't until the visiting teacher, uh, the volunteer teacher, got just outside the boy's hospital room that she realized that the patient, uh, this patient was in the hospital's burn unit. And uh, while she came prepared to teach English grammar, she was not prepared at all to witness uh, the horrible look and the horrible smell uh, that comes with uh, burn, like burns of that type. She wasn't prepared either to see a young boy, one so young, that was uh, in that much pain either. Everything around her made her want to hold her nose and run in the opposite direction as far as she could run. But something inside of her kept her from walking away. And so she clumsily stammered over to, to the kid's bedside and simply said, hi, I'm your hospital teacher. And she sat down, she said, I talked to your teacher earlier. They said that you were gonna work, we were to work on nouns and adverbs and just sort of jumped right into uh, her lesson for the day. When she got done, she went home for the night and kind of thought, what an idiot I am, right? Like, I can't believe uh, I, I, I went through that and I did that. But she went to come back the next day and she felt a little bit more prepared, a little bit more ready for, for uh, what was before her. And as she's walking uh, towards the boys' room, a nurse pulls her aside from the burn unit uh, and rushes up to her and says, you know, what did you do to that boy? And the teacher begins to apologize. I'm so sorry. I didn't know what I was doing and all this kind of stuff. And the, the nurse interrupts and says, no, you don't understand. Uh, we've been really worried about this boy. He, his condition, condition has been going downhill day after day after. He's been getting worse and worse. It's sort of like he gave up his will to live. And he thought it was all over. The, and they, they said this. They said, but since you left, his whole attitude changed. He's fighting back. And he's actually beginning to respond to treatment for the first time. It's as though he suddenly decided to live. What did you do? And the teacher sort of shrugged like, I have no idea. Well, later the nurse asked the boy the same question. And this was his response. He said this. He said, I figured I was doomed. I figured it was all over, that I was going to die. Until I saw that teacher. At that point, his throat kind of tightened and a tear ran down his cheek. And he finished. He said, when I saw that teacher, he said, I realized they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? <laughs> and so I hear that and I think, and that's the power of hope, isn't it? It's the power of hope. Hope, real hope, has the power to change uh, all kinds of things in our lives. 
I ran across uh, some research this week and uh, studies that have been done by Johns Hopkins University uh, from professors and doctors uh, that work there on all different kinds of things. But one in particular, uh, a doctor by the name of Kurt Richter, uh, I thought was intriguing. He, he ran the study for decades, actually, at Johns Hopkins University. He researched how long, this is what he began with, he researched how long rats could survive in water. Now, some of you might get the heebie-jeebies just talking about that, but, but he, did, he did some research, and it was fascinating what he discovered. He, when you take a rat and you put them in a huge tank of water, I mean, I mean hundreds or thousands of gallons, an enormous tank of water, uh, they could survive up to 80 hours treading water, isn't that crazy? 80 hours, eight zero. They could last for an exorbitant amount of time in that water. However, what they found is if, if you were able to take um, one of those rats and put it in a much smaller tank of water, uh, the, the rat would um, be, you know, get into the water. It would go all the way around the entire thing looking for a way to escape. When it realized that it could not, it would give up and just die within two minutes. Two minutes if it wasn't rescued. That was the that was the longevity. They, they found, however, that if you if, if at the end of that two minutes as the rat was just about done, as it was giving up hope, if, if you would reach in and take the rat out and, and put them on solid ground, you'd dry them off, let them kind of settle down, even for just five minutes. If you were to put them back in the water, they could then survive for 80 hours again. And what, what the researchers found, and in explanation of that, they said there's one word that sums up why a rat could, I mean, what, the same rat that would give up in two minutes, why you could take them out, and then you could put them back in, they could survive up to 80 hours. One word to describe it, what would you guess? Oh. Hope, right? They said hope. It's a powerful thing. It really is. One more example, okay? Sorry, I got, I got a million of them. But <laughs> I didn't get to preach this morning. Give me a break, right? But uh, a lot of times they have these things, uh, when they do drug studies, they have placebos, right? Have you, have you guys heard of that term before? So what they'll do is, is when they're testing drugs to see how effective they are, they'll give one group, one particular group, um, the real drug, and then they'll give another group basically they, something that looks like the drug but isn't really the drug, right? And and, uh, and they call that the placebo group to kind of to kind of test back and forth: is this is the, the the drug, the medicine, is it actually making a difference or is it is it not? And so they test these back and forth. And what I read one study this week that was on antidepressants uh, versus. Um, uh, versus the placebos, and this was fascinating. They said when you actually engineer the placebo um, to to mimic the side effects of the the regular drug, they said, you know what happens? They found that the placebo group was almost as effective as those that took the antidepressants. And I was like, that, first of all, fascinating study. And this is not me uh, being down on antidepressants. I think they have their place. Don't, don't read that. But what was fascinating to me was the reason why, right? Why would it be that if a, if a group of people that were taking these pills and they had the side effects, so they thought they were getting the right thing, why would they get better in their emotional state? The answer? It's hope, right? It's a powerful, powerful thing. We, with hope, we can withstand amazing hardship. Without hope, I have to say, we feel lost and we wither up and we just don't last. Hope is unbelievably important to our lives. Somebody said this uh, once, I have no idea who, but I thought it was a great quote. We can go to the next slide. It says, you can go 40 days without food. You can live three days without water. You can live approximately for eight minutes without air, but you can't go a single second without hope, right? It's powerful. 
The Bible puts it this way. I think this is fascinating. The first part of this proverb, Proverbs 13, 12, says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope, if you take hope and you put it off, right, it's deferred. It's, it's shoved out of the equation for a while. Without hope, it's saying it makes our heart sick. Whoa. It makes our heart sick. Hope is a powerful thing. The absence of it can make our heart sick. You know, this time of year, the Christmas season, we talk a lot about hope. We talk a lot about peace. We talk a lot about joy. Some of those things we send Christmas cards and holiday cards to friends and coworkers and family members to talk about the hope of the season. We sing songs about the hope that's associated with Christmas. It's on commercials that we watch. Uh, it's in movies that we watch. Uh, but for so many of us, I think it's, it may not be the experience of our holiday season. It may be something that we, we aspire to or we long for. But I, what I find is that it's so easy for, for, I think, many of us, maybe most of us, to have diminishing levels of hope in our lives. It's so easy for hope to just get drained or maybe even beaten out of us in one way or another. It's so easy for us to lose hope or to have hope erode in our lives. Let me give some examples. Could be that you had high hopes for a relationship or maybe for a marriage. And yet year after year after year, uh, your expectations and your hope has been eroding. It could be that you uh, actually were married, you were married, and yet that hope for that marriage has been shattered this year due to death or divorce or an affair of some sort. It could be that you had high hopes for businesses or career plans or jobs or climbing the corporate ladder or whatever, and yet year after year after year, you seem to get overlooked and nothing seems to work out the way you expect it to, and hope just seems to be weaning. It could be that you have, uh, you've had high hopes financially. You thought, well, this year is going to be the year, right? We're going to break out. We're going to finally, we're going to you know, crawl out of debt and we're going to have plenty and we're going to be able to take that vacation or buy that new car. We're going to be able to do this thing. And yet the realities of your year have left hope dwindling as you're like, you know what? I am more in debt. I am more enslaved to this thing. I am more, it's dogging me more than I could have ever possibly imagined. And I am losing hope. I'm not sure I'll ever get out. The debt is so big. The, the demands are so high. And my income is so weird. It's so little. I'm not sure I can ever crawl out of this reality. Maybe you had high hopes for a child, but as they got older and they, they came onto their own, your hopes have been dwindling as they've been making poor choice after poor choice after poor choice. Maybe you had hope for a peaceful home, but the level of uh, conflict, the level of harsh words, the level of stress uh, that is there just, again, just sort of leaves your hope dwindling. Or maybe worse yet, maybe you've accomplished what you hoped for, and yet it just didn't seem to deliver what it promised. It just left you feeling empty and frustrated, wondering if things could ever be different, if life could really ever have purpose or joy or peace. You've kind of lost hope in that kind of thing. It doesn't matter who you are. I think at some point, all of us sort of struggle with this. Life tries to sort of beat the hope out of us. We uh, are tempted to lose hope. But tonight, I think, uh, I think God wants to infuse you and he wants to infuse me with hope 
with what we call a living hope, the Bible calls it, an undying hope, hope that will uh, encourage your souls, that will infuse life into you once again and, uh, and leave you with an expectant, faith-filled heart again. I want to look again at the, the, uh, at the uh, prophecy uh, that um, Britt read a couple of minutes ago from Isaiah 9. I, just want you to, I want you to hear this. Hopefully you heard it then, but I want you to, to kind of dwell on this, and I'll make a few comments as we go. It says this, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. It says, In the past he humbled uh, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. It's the Bible's way of saying there's, there's hope there, there there's, there's direction there, there's life there. The people walking in darkness suddenly can see there's light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned that gives a picture of hope. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. I love that. You've increased, you've filled them with joy as they've walked out of darkness and into the light. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulder, the rod of their oppressor. It's a, it's a picture of sort of like a yoke of oxen. Have you, have you guys seen the pictures? There's a big wooden bar that goes across the oxen, and oftentimes they would tie up heavy loads behind them, and these oxen would have to push down into the yoke and pull this thing forward, but it was a weight. And it's a picture of saying, imagine shattering those things. So it, those things that, that weigh us down in life, what if they were shattered and there's freedom? What if they were shattered and there is life once again? It's a picture of freedom and release. Verse 6, he says, all these things are going to happen, right? This is why it's a prophecy. These things are coming in a day. It says, for all of this is going to happen. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. It's a picture of kingship, like putting a royal robe placed on his shoulders. It's a picture of a king that's, that's going to come to rule. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It goes on and says, he'll reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I love this, by the way. This prophecy is written uh, almost 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And in it, God is speaking through the prophet and saying, you know what? He's saying, hope is coming. Hold on. He's like, I know it's hard. I know it seems like you are living in darkness. I know you can't see what I'm up to. I know things seem hard. But he says, hold on. Hope is coming. I know it may seem hopeless. It might be discouraging in your life right now. I know maybe you can't see or understand everything that happens, but a light is coming. Hope is busting into the world. And when he comes, because of his birth, because of his life, because of his death and resurrection, there will be no more gloom or despair, he says. For those living in bondage and enslaved by sin and by the junk of their past have hope, he says, because freedom is coming. For those who suffer, he says, have hope because joy is coming. For those suffering from injustice, he says, have hope because justice and a new kingdom is coming. A new king even is coming. Because for you, a child is born. 
for you a son is given. And with the birth of this child comes hope, real and lasting hope. And this child will be called Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, Everlasting Father, even the Prince of Peace. His good reign will last forever. Hope is right smack dab in the Christmas story. Even 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah the prophet is shouting, God is announcing hope is coming, hold on. And then 700 years later, when the time finally comes, the gospel writers say hope is here, hope has arrived. Luke 2 that Lizzie read a few minutes ago, let me just take a couple verses from there. It says, but the angels proclaim hope has arrived. Angels said to them, it says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ, the, the, the one you've been waiting for. He's the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, cloths and lying in a manger. Hope has come at Christmas, but it's only found in one place, right? Christmas brings hope into our lives, but it's not because of the magical light displays that are uh, really fun to watch and time to music, right? All that kind of stuff. It's, it's not because of uh, glorious presents or holiday bonuses, although those are great, right? It's not because of awesome family gatherings and turkey and rolls and pies and everything else. It's not because of any of that. Those, those things are fun. Now, Stick with me here. I'm not a heretic, but stick with me. It's not even ultimately, uh, right? Lasting hope is not even ultimately found in just the baby being sent or the manger scene or the wise men or the angels or the songs or whatever else. Those things might be great and they're beautiful, right? And they're serene. They, it, it's, it's cause for celebration and for joy, but that alone does not bring lasting hope to our lives. The angel and the prophet celebrate the coming of the child, but they don't stop there. They start to point ahead to who this child is, to who he was, to what he would do. The hope that the angel proclaims in the Christmas story is that a savior is coming, right? They're pointing ahead and saying, it's not just about a baby. It's not just about a child, Jesus. Oh, isn't that great? It's awesome. And we all love little baby pictures and everything. He's like, that's great. But that's not the whole story. This child is coming, but he's coming not just to be born. He's coming not just to live, but this child is coming to die and rise again. He's coming to take our sins away. He's coming to pay the price that our sins deserve for our rebellion, for our sin, for our junk. He's coming to live and eventually take those things upon himself to be our substitute, to be our savior. And he gets the death penalty that we deserve. And he dies and is put in a tomb and the stone is rolled in front of it. And then three days later, right, he busts out the other side. The savior, this child that's coming is not just a baby, but he's a savior. He's not just a child, but he's a king. He's not just a child. He's actually, he is hope. And everyone, he's God. In, in, in come, come to earth. He is the embodiment of hope. Listen to a couple of these uh, quotes ran across this week. It says This is from Packer. He says, the Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Hope for pardon, forgiveness. Hope for peace with God. Hope for glory. Because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor. He was born in a stable so that 30 years later, he might hang on a cross 
and then rise again. That's the hope of Christmas. This one came from Linda. I thought this is great. It's from Ron Hutchcraft. <laughs> she pointed me in the right direction. He says this, hope was born in a manger. It was purchased on a cross and it was guaranteed at the empty tomb. Friends, Christ came to earth. God came down for you and he lived a life that was without sin and then he died a terrible death on the cross for our sins, paying that price. But then he rose again from the grave on Easter, showing that he is victorious, showing that he has conquered sin, that he has conquered death, that he is alive and powerful and active. And now he offers to forgive you and me. He offers to bring us back into right relationship with God. He offers to come and take up residence in us, filling us with his spirit and his power. He offers us life with him forever in heaven. It's all available to you and me because of Christ, because of this Savior that came that was born and that eventually died in our place and rose again. And now he freely offers us life. He offers us hope as a result. It's the hope of Christmas. It's a hope that cannot and will not be taken away. It's a hope that lasts all year long. It cannot be shaken. Uh, the Apostle Peter puts it like this. Oh, this is great. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a, look at that, living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. He's given us a living hope, not just a, not just a hope for today, like not just a hope on a nice little Christmas card that lasts for you know, an hour or two or a day or two. He gives us a, a hope that never dies, a hope that lasts forever. And where is this hope anchored in? Right? He says it's anchored in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I just think, man, this is, he gets it, right? The, the, the apostle Peter, right? he gets it. He was there. He saw Jesus die. He saw Jesus get put in the tomb. And he saw three days later when Jesus kicked the door out and walked out alive and victorious. He knows that that Savior is for us. That Savior, that God is with us. He's forgiven us. He's saved us. He's with us. What could possibly happen? What could possibly happen that would shake that hope? A bad doctor's report? No way. Peter would say, you know what? I have seen, I have seen the dead come back to life because of Jesus. He's like, send your worst. Even if I die... I live. That's a, that's a living hope. That's an unshakable kind of hope. What's the worst that could happen? The one who spoke the world into existence. The one who rose from the dead is with me, he would say. He will work all things out for the good of those who love him, for those who are his, according to his good plans. You don't think he's able to break in and fix your situation? You don't think he's able to, to bust into our lives and work? You don't think he's able to provide for us or heal or even resurrect stuff in me? He's done it before. He can do it again. Our hope is in him. The disciples would say, the, the apostles would say, our hope is in him. Yes, the baby that came from God, but also the Savior that died for our sins. And the risen and mighty king who conquered death and is alive and with us and leading us and filling us and is our God and Savior forever. I have a living hope because Jesus lives, I am assured of life. Because he lives, I am confident that he is with me and in me to strengthen and guide and direct. Because he lives, we can have hope. 
The prophet writes, right, he says, 700 years before, he says, hope is coming at the, at the birth of Jesus, right? The angel proclaims hope is coming. Even Jesus, in his, uh, in his first public message, his first preaching opportunity, he gets up and he, he quotes another place from Isaiah 61. And, and he, he says this. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me to preach good news to the poor. I've come to bind up or to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to release the prisoners, to comfort all who mourn, to bring beauty instead of ashes and joy instead of mourning and praise instead of despair. And Jesus rolls up the scroll and says, today this is fulfilled in your, in your presence. You know what he's saying? Hope is here, right? This is it. I am hope. Hope despite the circumstances. Hope despite whatever's going on. Hope has come. Friends, I don't know what's going on with you today. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure the specifics of what God might be speaking to you, but I want to assure you tonight as we come and we, we think of the, the stable and we think of the baby Jesus, we think of the angels proclaiming the best news ever announced that a Savior has come for you. I'm not sure if, if there are ways that you feel like your hope is eroding these days. I'm not sure if you've got bad news or a bad report, but I want to assure you this time of year and every time of year that there is a living hope that's available to you, a living hope that Christ came to give us, a hope that is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Not even death could stand in the way of that hope. Not even anything in all of creation can stand in the way of that hope. Hope has come. There's a living hope, and it's not based on your performance. It's not based on what you do or how good you are or whether you deserve it or not. Because you know what? The reality is none of us do. But that life and that hope and that forgiveness and that, that uh, resurrection power and on and on and on, that's all available to us because of Christ, because of the Savior who came. It's based entirely on what he has done. It's based entirely on who he is. And he offers it freely to you and to me, to anybody that would simply open up their heart and their life and just say, Jesus, in faith, just say, Jesus, I need you. Would you come and would you forgive and pay the price for my sin? Would you take that away? Would you forgive me for my rebellion, for the ways that I have turned away from you? And would you come and take up residence in my life? Would you come and be my Savior? Would you be my God? Would you lead me and guide me from this point forward? I need you. The Bible teaches us that anybody who puts their faith and trust in him like that, moves from death to life, has their sins paid for. The Bible teaches that when we put our faith in Christ like that, that he comes but through his spirit to live inside of us. The one who rose from the dead, the almighty God, comes to live inside of us, to lead and guide us. And the Bible tells us that we are assured one day of a spot in heaven. If you have never done that before, friends, I would encourage you today don't miss Christmas, right? Don't miss the point of this. But instead, would you just pause and just open up your heart and your life to Christ and just cry out, I need you. Would you come and rescue me? Come and forgive me. Maybe you're here and you have done that before, but for whatever reason, maybe your hope is waning these days. Maybe it's just been, it's just been sucked down. And maybe tonight you're just... Uh, the, the, the cry from 
the manger and the cry from the cross, the cry from the empty tomb, is just a call for you to turn back Godward and just open yourself up again and say, God, would you come? Would you forgive me? Would you fill me with your hope? Would you teach me to live my life with you? Would you teach me to keep in step with you? I need you, Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight and you just need to be reminded that the hope that we celebrate at Christmas is not just the hope of a baby, but it's the hope of the resurrected king who has conquered and will conquer anything. Nothing can stand against him. Nothing can stand in his way. <coughs> and he is the one that is with you. He's the, the, the God that came for you to be with you and to live inside of you. Friends, let's not miss the point of Christmas. Let's not miss the coming of the Savior and this King. Let's not miss the hope of the season, but let every heart prepare it. Let's close in prayer and just kind of turn our eyes uh, towards Him. God, that's that's our cry. Uh, we don't want to we don't want to miss what's happening. We don't want to miss what's going on uh, with this Christmas story. Thank you for coming for us. Thank you for coming as the Savior. Thank you for coming as the Prince of Peace and the Mighty King, Almighty God. And Lord, we just want to open up our hearts to you right now. And just invite you in, God, would you come and would you rescue? Would you come and save? Would you come and heal? Would you come and forgive us for our sins and our rebellion? Would you come and, and bring us home? Would you come and take up residence in our lives, God? Would you? Lord, whether it's the first time or the, the 50th time that we've done so, we just want to we just want to open up our hearts to you as Savior and King, God.